Hi, welcome to Haven. This is a podcast that's a safe space for curiosity and conversation. I'm your host, Haven, and today I'm curious about side character energy, parenting edition. Side character energy and specifically parenting edition. So this is a concept that I touched on in one of my earlier episodes, and I wanted to expand on it. I thought there's just a lot of different directions you can kind of go with it. And the way that it came about was I was looking for consistent childcare for my kids. So we had some amazing like touch and go ad hoc babysitters, but I needed a consistent nanny. So if you've ever tried to find a nanny, um, it's very difficult to find someone that you trust that you feel is okay, safe with your kids, especially if you don't have a referral. And so I was just throwing everything against the wall. I was trying asking friends for referrals. I was trying apps and I just kept finding that I was coming up short with someone who'd be available or someone that I found and deemed trustworthy enough for me to entrust them with the most precious things in my life, my children. And one instance in particular was I had interviewed someone and I thought she would be a good fit. And I was going to have her come and do kind of like a modified time with the kids where I'd be working in the next room, but I could kind of listen and hear how she was with them. And right before she was supposed to come, she ghosted me as in like no show. And I had to work. I was still planning on listening, but I was going to listen and get my work done. So I was a little frustrated, obviously. And she sent me a text saying, I'm so sorry. What came up for me was like my anxiety. I don't know if now is a good time. So I I really appreciated the honesty. I would have loved a little more heads up. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be really gracious in this moment. I'm going to voice text her back and just say like, take care of yourself. Like I understand. Thanks for your time. You know, we'll part ways here. Then I didn't think about it again, other than like, well, this is inconvenient for me today. And a couple days later, I was in a church um, setting on Sunday and she came top of mind. And to me, the impression I felt was like, did you even consider praying for her or thinking about her outside of how she just impacted you in that moment? And I was kind of convicted. I was like, no, (laughs) definitely not because she inconvenienced me. And I really didn't think about it past that. So then I sent her another text and I said, hey, it must be really difficult to live with that level of anxiety. And I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and I'm actually praying for you. And I hope that you like have a better month. And she wrote back and she was like, no one's ever said anything like that, that deeply touches me. She was like, that made my entire month. Um, And it really meant a lot to her. And then what kind of came crashing into me at that moment was out there right now, main character energy is everything. Like be the main character of your story, take in the reins. And for some people, that's actually a really important message. Like for my husband, (laughs) he should be more main character. He should be showing up more for himself and thinking of him that way. For some of us, we're already thinking we're the main character. It's kind of like if you've seen that thing where it's like, oh, you look outside of a window on an airplane and you daydream and you're like, oh, I'm the character who's like going through something and having a pensive song play right now. Like some of us are already kind of like thinking of ourselves like that. And so it came to mind to me of like, I'm main character in one story and one story only, which is my own. I'm side character in every other person I ever encounter anywhere, whether it's a short like text message, whether it's my children, whether it's my friends, like I'm a side character. And 
how can I put myself in a position to show up for the scenes of their movie and support them? And whether I'm literally in that scene for 10 minutes or if I'm there for whatever it looks like, how can I be the best supporting character for someone else? And so parenting, my kids are the main characters of their movie. I'm literally the side character parent. Like the movie is of their life. And what does it look like for me to approach their lives as different than mine, as different human beings with different wants and desires and different choices? And what does it look like to uniquely show up for them to the best of my ability? So my stage of life, which is parenting two toddlers, I have kids that by the time this airs, I think they'll be right at two and four. What it looks like in the toddler era where I'm at right now is a lot of emotional regulation, a lot of teaching them what feelings are and what boundaries are okay. It's like, it's so okay to feel mad. It's not okay to kick your brother in the face. Or I totally get that you don't want to leave the playground. We're still gonna leave. Like, do you want, what do you wanna do last? You get to choose. Do you wanna do the slide or the monkey bars? Like a lot of it is the boundaries. A lot of it is the choicing. Um, For my generation right now, the kind of trendy topic is like gentle parenting, which I think is wonderful. I think it's awesome because, Um, there's a little bit of a stigma where it's like, oh, that means no boundaries, which it actually doesn't. It's just treating your children as humans with respect and you are the leader and you have clear boundaries, but also it's, you know, not just saying, cause I'm the mom and I said so, or do what I say, or don't cry or, you know, all those past generations, which I'm going to go off a little bunny trail right now of, yeah, that must've been tough to even grow up with that. Those parents thought they were doing the best they can because they were like beaten as kids and they were like you know spanked harshly so them being like okay go and time out into the other room until you've calmed down was their best option at the time now my generation is like okay so now you have to be isolated until you have approved emotions and you're you know allowed to be presentable like that was messed up but like you have to also see in the lens of like these are all reactions and hopefully going towards a better stage of health where I guarantee my kids are going to be doing something one day and I'll be like, oh, I remember how you handle that. And they would say, we don't do that anymore, mom. And this is why. And this is the science. And it really messed us up. Or I'm going to have to be like, oh, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad you found a better way. And it's like us as generations, it's so easy to hate on, you know, the things of the past. And of course, there's some messed up stuff I don't want to include in my parenting. But also I want to see it through this lens, this lens and this unique window of time of who our kids are right now. And so for mine, I'm teaching them about emotions. I'm teaching them about safety. And even the way we chose our preschool is they um, call all the students friends. And so everyone in her school is her friend. And they teach them about kindness and how to go along and how to um, speak up for themselves. There are other ones I toured that were great. But like, she'll learn to read later. You know, I'm not particularly worried about that. I'm not particularly worried about, you know, well, I do want her to know her colors by this age. She's four. But I mean, at the time, I'm like, okay, I want to have my kids in areas where they're fostering their character. Um, Because again, like this is the rest of their life that's on this foundation is naming emotions is huge. Naming and owning emotions and not saying you made me mad, but I feel mad. Those are different things. Also boundaries where it's like, you know, my daughter, I've taught her like to put her hand out and say stop loudly and to use her voice in that moment 
if someone's upsetting her. And it makes me even think about how my mom parented me in this stage. And my mom was so silly, so silly. We would leave banana peels in the kitchen on purpose. And then she would come and just like dramatically fall on them. And is like, where did the monkeys come from? How did they leave banana peels here? We're like, mom, it was us. And we just thought every time she really thought it was monkeys. Or I think about like how um, gentle and caring she was where she was going to potty train my brother. And she kept saying, it's potty training day. It's going to be so exciting and potty train. And then the day came and he was like, where's the train? where's the potty train? And she was like, no, it means something different. He was so devastated. So she ditched the potty training plan and they went and rode trains that day because that's what he had thought it was. So she was pivoting. Or I think about how one of my birthday parties, it was, we got to choose really fun themes and I chose an upside down theme or like a backwards theme. So all of the girls came to the party that night in their pajamas. And then we changed to our regular clothes when it was time to go to bed. And for dinner, we had cereal and we did like a night swim. And my mom was standing on the diving board, giving us all instructions for the night. And she accidentally slipped in with all of her clothes on. And we thought it was so funny. And then the next day we had pizza for breakfast and the cake was a beautiful cake. And then she turned it right over and flattened it. And we ate the cake upside down. So it's also, it was these elements of this, this era and this sweet, sweet time of childhood were very fun and very playful. And I never thought of my mom as the main character. I was the main character. That was my birthday party. And she was a hilarious side character. But it's interesting to pivot of being like, okay, what is, what's my kid going to remember from their birthday party? You know, like obviously it's them and their friends, but like even me stepping in or even like my brother, he was looking forward to a train. And he was disappointed. And my mom could have been like, well, I set aside the time. This is our, we're going to have you go on the potty. But she was like, oh, you thought it was a train? Okay, let's go ride trains. So I think it's also kind of holding like situations of life loosely and being able to pivot and go into where someone else is and not just like the rigidity of like, this is what my expectations were. I think that's so much of even what like a side character does is they go where the protagonist is going. They're um, open. There's a thing in improv like yes and, where if someone brings up an idea, it's yes and you add on top of that. Now a quick pause to hear from my sponsors. This is a weird segue, but have you ever been mid-dinner and your jeans are digging into your stomach and you just gotta unbutton them? Okay, good, not just me. Hey, no shame. Ritual literally created Symbiotic Plus with that weird gut stuff in mind. It contains clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Delayed release capsule designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. An ideal place for probiotics to grow and thrive. Why include a postbiotic? It provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining and supports a healthy gut barrier. Win-win. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. There's no more shame in your gut game. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash haven to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. This episode is brought to you by Aid. Aid offers fractional virtual assistants whose sole purpose is to help people who are making a difference. Are you bogged down in your email and still managing your own calendar? Delegating those tasks 
to a high caliber career assistant can free you up to utilize your time towards the areas of your best and highest use, allowing you to focus on the areas you truly thrive in. Learn more at efficientaid.com. That's efficient, A-I-D-E.com. Okay, back to the episode. So if you heard my episode where I was talking about what men don't understand, I had my friend Janelle on there, who's a fellow female entrepreneur. And we talked about a mini female entrepreneur from her neighborhood who was an 11-year-old babysitter named Pearl who handed out her resume at Halloween. And I had mad respect for her. And when I called the number on there, Pearl and her mom, Laura, answered. And I was so, so highly impressed with her where she told me about her babysitting certificate that she could email me that she showed the online course. She was CPR certified. She asked if my children had any allergies that she need to be made aware of. And she was so highly trustworthy. I was almost just like, well, when can you start? Can it be tomorrow? And she was 11 at the time. And one, I was like, this little girl is very cool. And then two, my next thought was, who's her mother? Because she's really special. So Laura, Mm -hmm. thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank Thank you you for putting that trust in Pearl, by the way. Oh, well, you were her first major client. No way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. She, I mean, she came with a fanny pack with (laughs) band-aids and toys and everything. I think our first one was like a park or something. (laughs) She was so prepared. That was a lot of her on her own. Believe it or not. (laughs) I do believe it from her conversations. I do believe it's so in her. But I was talking with Janelle about it and I was like, we need to take this lady out to lunch. We're like, she's further along than us. Like we have toddlers. She has like a, you know, almost preteen. And we did. And I was like, this conversation's so good. I'd love to bring it to the podcast. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Totally. So tell me a little bit before we even get into kids, because this is another one of my little tangents is we are women first and mothers second. Like just because you're a mom doesn't mean it's your whole identity. There's a lot of other elements that are really interesting about you. And motherhood is so important and so awesome. But it's not the whole picture. So I'd love to hear about that. And then we'll get into motherhood if that's okay. That sounds great. Um, I do like to say that I, starting off, I was the a child of a military helicopter pilot. So the reason I say that is because I moved around a ton. Mm. It caused me to really have to adapt to situations. It wasn't the greatest when it was happening, but man, I'm so grateful for that now, um, just living in different places. And so that led me to a, a career in television. Um, I worked in entertainment for a long time. And then at 38, I became a single mom, not 100% by choice, but thrilled nonetheless. And so I took on having that baby like it was my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I read, I don't know, I have a picture in Pearl's baby book, like 54 books, you know, before she was born, Oh my gosh. Uh, which I'm sure I used like two things from those books, but it helped <laughs> me feel better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, so I really took on that role when I was in the middle of a huge career as in television that I cared a lot about mm-hmm. and had put a lot of work into. Wow. Uh, so much I want to unpack there, but you were even saying like at the, I don't know if you said the height of your career or like a very intense time in your career, you find out you're pregnant. Yes. Did you have a question of like, even with being a single mother is a different route. You're like, okay, I, how do I do this? Like what was coming through your head? Obviously you're reading the baby books cause the baby's like, you're going to be a mom for sure. But it's the 
what does that look like with career? 100%. I was, I, I worked for, uh, well, I worked for history at the time. And then I transitioned in my pregnancy to a new job with discovery. And I traveled a lot. There was so much to my job. And I was very concerned, like, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, I mean, I was a vice president at the time, I was 38 years old. But mm-hmm. there were parts of me that were like, wow, this is, I've produced a lot of things, but I have not produced a child and I have not done it by myself. So it was definitely like uncharted territory for me. Wow. So what did those first couple years look like? Like where Pearl's a baby, what were you doing? And what did like a, a week look like for you? Well, some of it is a complete and total blur, but I know a lot of it was nothing like I pictured. And that started with, I came in wanting to produce my birth. I had a birth plan with everything listed. And I basically have that also in her baby book with a giant circle with a line through it because nothing that (laughs) I wrote on there came true. You know, it was sort of like the universe takes over and Mm -hmm. you can't produce your way out of the universe. So it kind of started like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I had also at the time blackberrying. I, I brought my blackberry to the hospital with me. I told my team that they needed to check in with me during maternity leave, I basically turned that BlackBerry off and I didn't pick it up for about six months. And again, anyone who knew me at the time was like, what? Uh, Because I was very, very attached to my work and to that BlackBerry. But Mm -hmm. once she came along, my my entire world changed and I realized um, that that was going to be my most important job. Still is. Wow. It's so true. It makes me think of because it's the same. I'm very focused, very on track. And my first child came surprisingly a month early. Like, and I had already trained my maternity leave and I was like, um, emailing from like the hospital bed. And he was like, stop emailing. (laughs) He's like, everything's okay. And I was like, but it's early. Is everything going to be okay? He was like, just go. And I needed, I needed that mental permission. Cause I was like, sure. This is so inconveniencing for anyone who's trying to step into like the shoes I'm trying to do. And so when I got that release, it was the same where I was like, okay, it's out the window. And then even on my maternity leave, I remember thinking I need to rework what a productive day looks like in my mind. And I, I internally defined a productive day is I cuddled my baby and she's fed. Mm -hmm. And I was like that to me. Shower, brushing the teeth, not important. Oh no. Like, no, (laughs) I didn't even say diapers in there. I mean, I literally was like, if she's eating, (laughs) if she's cuddled, that's my bar. Yeah. And mentally I had to be like, I've had so much productivity, like Mm -hmm. to me, because again, like someone who's achieving, someone who has a list, someone who has ideas, it's like. And those, those sweet moments of maternity leave, like, okay, that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's the moment for that day, which is kind of a gear shift. Absolutely. Your life boils down to essentials, Mm -hmm. you know, and providing that to, to a baby, to someone else. And it, like you said, it's about, you know, eating Mm -hmm. basically and sleeping. Yeah. And, um, what a different mind shift for um, people that are very, very focused on multitasking and, you know, being in meetings and traveling all over the world. Your your world gets really, really small, yet so big, so important. It's so true. And it is such a unique slice of life. And for me, it feels like it took me a while to get there. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about reentry after maternity leave, because it took me a while to get out of there. Where yeah. like... I remember my, I asked some friends before I came back, I was like, what's it like? And they're like, you're going to think about your baby the whole time. 
and that's okay. They're like, mm-hmm. you're going to, you may even cry and that's okay. But it was clunky. And I remember even like my boss at the time was like very gracious, but he very openly was like, yeah, you're definitely not on your game. <laughs> like things are slipping. And I was like, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, mm-hmm. and he, very gracious. I was very glad on that, but I was also like, getting back into a a gear shift was hard for me. Absolutely. And the guilt of things, you got guilt on both sides, Mm -hmm. right? Like I bawled my eyes out when I went to work probably the first like month or so every day. Mm -hmm. I was so sad to go home. I mean, to go home, to go to work, which, Mm -hmm. you know, was not, not my normal mindset. Normally I was thrilled to go to work. So going to work was tough. And then you know, having to say like, Hey, six o'clock, I got to go. My nanny has to go home. Like I had never been one of those people that's like clock out, got to go home. But I had to kind of lay it down. Like I need to leave at a certain time. There's going to be a period of time where I'm not available because I'm a sing, not just because I'm a single mom, but I'm a mom. I need to fulfill that part of my life during these hours. And then I can jump back on for a call later or whatever. But you know, this six to eight to 9 PM, like I'm not available. And that was just a huge mind shift for me, but the company didn't fall apart. My career didn't fall apart. It worked, you know, it worked out and being able to put those boundaries out. And, and I think it showed a lot of other people on my team that, you know, working a whole bunch of hours doesn't necessarily equal great work. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I was very focused when I was at the office or in the job because I knew I had to get out at another time and devote myself to something else. And you were ahead of the game there because that like the whole work-life balance or Mm -hmm. like, you Mm -hmm. know, time decompression was not popular then. No. It was kind of seen as like, oh, you're not the last standing in the office. You're not the first in. That was a different era. I'm glad we're kind of removing from it, but I was kind of pioneering at the moment. It was, and it was terrifying. You know, mm-hmm. I really, that was the big part is I kept thinking if, what if I lose my job? Not only is it the thing that I love, but I'm the breadwinner mm-hmm. and I don't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And that was terrifying. I spent many nights really thinking about that. But once I started to realize like, I'm going to do the very best that I can at my job, but I'm also going to do the very, very best that I can as a mom. Mm-hmm. And this balance thing, no, it's one thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's one thing. Your life is one thing. And, and yes, I think that was a good terminology at the time when people were trying to come out of like, don't just be a workaholic. You got to balance it out. Yes. But integrating, you know, what's going on in your life. And I think COVID taught us that a lot. It's mm-hmm. like people have lives and children and partners outside of their job. And if those things don't all kind of work together, you know, they will suffer both in the job front and the home front. And that's not good for anything. It's true. You really can't compartmentalize your whole life by any means. Absolutely not. So that's babyhood. Mm -hmm. We're going to fast forward to toddlerhood because when Janelle and I took you to lunch, there was one element that stood out to me where you were like, Pearl went to kindergarten and all the kids would come up to her and ask her to zip up their jackets because she was the yes. only one who and knew how to zip. actually, that was preschool. That was preschool. That was preschool. Oh she was four and we lived on the East Coast. And one day after preschool, her teacher was like, uh, Laura, can I talk to you? And I'm like, oh, my God, what did Pearl do? You know, <laughs> like, you know, and she's like, I just want to tell you that, like, your child out of the 15 kids in the class is the only one that knows how to zip up her jacket. And she said she, cause we were on the East coast. So they went in and out of, you know, outside and inside a lot. And mm-hmm. so she said that she would walk around and 
go with a teacher and zip everyone's jacket. And I was, you know, in some ways I was kind of like, how could these parents not teach their four-year-olds how to zip up their own jacket. Like mm -hmm. I got stuff, to, I'm carrying stuff. I got my bag, like you zip up your jacket, you grab your backpack, like you can walk, you can hold things. Yeah. You can, you got to learn how to do these things. So it was a little shocking to me, but then at the same time I was like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, yes. I did something right. I taught her how to zip up her own jacket. <laughs> it's so interesting though, because ever since you told us that at lunch, like I'll be out with my kids and she'll be like, can you carry my water, or my jacket? And I was like, if you brought it, you can carry mm -hmm. it because before I'd be like if I had a free hand I wouldn't think yeah. about it but I was like oh like I need to teach my kids like autonomy self-responsibility for what they're carrying and if you don't want to carry something all day then leave it at home or leave it in the car yeah or these parents that carry like their fourth graders backpack all the way to the school door mm -hmm. for them I mean I know they're being sweet and no judgment but at the same time I'm like you know when I travel with Pearl or do things with her she packs her own suitcase she packs mm -hmm. her own suitcase I give her a list we make a list this was when she was younger we make a list together she would pack it I would check it and mm -hmm. then it was up to her to roll that suitcase, carry that, you know, I sound like it's kind of like child labor or something, but I mean, it really was important to me that she have some independence in understanding what it takes to move around in the world, which is pack your own bag and carry it. But here's the thing. I respect that because there's nuance there because mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I don't mind my child being uncomfortable if it's a training opportunity mm -hmm. for them. Like we read this book in my mom book club called like the gift of failure and it was saying, if your kid keeps forgetting something, then when you bring it to the school, then they're just going to mm -hmm. like, why would they even have a reason to remember? But if they then get in trouble, get a bad grade, then they're going to remember, oh, I shouldn't, you know, leave this at home. Or it's not saying completely leave them off to their own. It's like, hey, how can we help you remember? Do you want to set a reminder, you mm -hmm. know, on a sticky note and put it by the door? Or like those kind of elements where it's not just completely on the, you know, kid you're like laissez-faire but it's training them for life we're like if you have a work yeah. project like and you don't deliver there's a problem yeah yeah pearl has turned a carpool <laughs> around before to say please go back because my mom's not going to drive it to school <laughs> please <laughs> please go back you know but there has been a couple of times where it was my fault that she didn't have something and of course like if i've got to help her out yes absolutely mm -hmm. but for the most part she knows i'm not going to bring it to her if she forgot it <laughs> i think that's so good i want to camp a little bit because this is my era and then i want to jump into preteens okay. so i want to tell a little bit about what i'm learning in toddlerhood and please pipe in if you also have something yeah so for me the kids like um love a plan like that is where they feel very safe very clear of like okay at night we brush our teeth put our pajamas on read a book go to bed I'm counting on my hands because mm -hmm. Isley she now calls it her five finger plan because I used to I didn't realize I was counting my hands I'll be like okay we're gonna go mm -hmm. home eat lunch go to bed and then she's like what about the other two fingers and I would have to like make up stuff so it hits five. And so it's like every time she's like, what's the five finger plan? And so it's Aww. like, but we'll say it and she can recite it. That said, whatever as far as genders, take this with your own child. But girls are more receptive and able to plan. I read that boys, you have to give them one step at a time, like mm -hmm. one step. Mm -hmm. And it's better if you can touch them while you're telling them and even like kind of looking at them. Like just to help with them, like connecting with to help you. with them connecting of like mm -hmm. young boys. It's very hard for them to remember multiple steps. Isaac yeah. can literally remember five at like three years old, mm -hmm. but like echo, it's like you put one hand and you go, when we get home, take your shoes by the door, 
and then come to me. Like one at a time. For it's the like next step. For the step step. <laughs> Shoes off and then come to me. Because mm-hmm. obviously he's little, but like it's just the different wiring, which I was like, whatever, genders. But I'm like, oh, I see it. He's so act first, think later. My daughter is more like, what's the parameters? What's that? And so also like getting to know your kids of like what's going to be like right for them. But <laughs> Echo's a one step at a time guy. Isley can literally do five. But like with me traveling, I'll do a written calendar and I'll have like the days that I'm gone. And then I try and even do like pictures of who's going to be with them that day. And like maybe some little exciting things. Or if there's not exciting, then I'll kind of let them go to the candy store and pick a candy for each day I'm out of town that they can eat. But I like to kind of work with them before traveling of, okay, mommy's going to be gone four days. This day you're going to be with, you know, Miss Angel, and then daddy's going to come home and put you to bed. And then in the morning, Isley, you're going to go to school and then Echo, you know, that kind of thing where then we say it over and over. And then she gets to cross off the day. Like they're so visual. They don't have concepts and toddlers get overwhelmed and scared when they don't know what's happening next. That's so good. Talk about the, you know, sort of the secondary character part. It took me a little while to realize like, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I just always felt like, well, she's my daughter, so she should process things just the way I do, or she should like a list like I do, or, you know, and like you saying the part about Echo and how he learns, I think, I mean, it took me a while to learn that just because my brain processes a list that may not be, that's actually not the way that Pearl or a list from me to her no good. Wow. If I talk to her about what needs to get done, she's going to make the list Mm -hmm. her way. But it took me a few years to really understand that. But I like that you're doing like the visual pictures because they can't read yet. So having an understanding and like, again, being that secondary character where you're not just like, okay, do this, do this, do this, but like giving them the information and letting them process. Like, what does it mean for their, like, these are their days that we're planning out for them. They don't even have real choice on who is going to be with them and where they're going. But talking about even like, um, different for each kids. I one time was at lunch with one of my mom friends who has, it was before I had kids or something. I was pregnant and I was like, can I take you to lunch and ask you everything? And she had a little boy who was, I probably about three or four at the time. And he was getting upset and she came next to him she put her arm around him and was talking in his ear. And afterwards I was like, Hey, why did you do that? She was like, Oh, I found that if I look him in the eye, he gets more aggressive. She's like, but if I come Mm. and speak in his ear and like put my hand around him and be gentle tones, he's more receptive. And that to me unlocked where I'm like, it's the wild, wild west of parenting. (laughs) I'm like, it's your rules. It's your kid. Like you never know Mm. what child you're going to have. And it's up to us as parents they're going to be who they're going to be it's up to us as parents to be like who are you and how can I foster the best environment for you to thrive which is going to be different and I never really understood that Uh, to Mm -hmm. be honest I was and even that has made me a better boss too Mm -hmm. because I was always like I'm the boss do this do this you know I'm the mom do and it doesn't work like that right and so understanding that like not just kids but coworkers and partners and everybody learns different responds to things differently and you know I used to sort of struggle with like bending I felt like I was bending to other people's ways but it's not that it's it's fine you know you you being able to present yourself in a way that someone else is going to respond 
in the right way and hear you. Mm-hmm. And that's with kids or, or adults or anyone. It's true. It's how effective do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that effective is going to be different for depending on who's the listener and who you're talking to in that element. That's such a great point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going into like preteen, one of the other things, I'm trying not to be nervous. I'm like, it doesn't have to be scary. But one thing that you told, I want you to expand on however else you want to take it. But you were saying that in preteen, it's basically like a pool and that the kid is the one swimming, but you're the edge of the pool. So you're the one that they go to when they want to rest on the edge of the pool or talk, but like you're not jumping in, saving them. You're also not really jumping in, swimming with them. You're just always there. So what does that look like in this slice of life with how old's Pearl now? She is a couple days away from turning 14. Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I wish I could take credit for that pool thing, but I cannot. Mm. I highly recommend a book called Untangled. And I'm going to get the title right. Uh, Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood uh, by Lisa Damore. And um, I like studied this book, like highlighted it, still look at it. Wow. But the edge of the pool thing was really, as a visual person, it helped me a lot. I mean, there are times when I am driving my car and thinking she's talking to me about something. I'm like, edge of the pool, edge of the pool, you know, (laughs) because I just want to jump in there and fix it or say something or, you know, go grab her and pull her to the side. And I'm like, got to be the edge of the pool. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certainly not looking for my kid to drown and I would absolutely run in if she was drowning but recognizing that you know she is going to swim to the edge of the pool when she needs me um and I and I do feel that I mm-hmm. really feel that and I think that comes with you know trust and her and me like being actually being the side of the pool I think that sometimes when you go in and try to fix everything then especially in this what I'm experiencing so far because I'm certainly no expert but when I go in and try to fix things to somebody who's 13 almost 14 it makes it worse but if I can be there and listen and guide and wait for her to swim over to me it's going to, again, be a lot more effective. It's so true. I remember, so for me, like, I'm not close to that in parenthood. I'm actually closer to that in my experience, it feels like. So Mm -hmm. for me, I remember being like 13, 14. It was weird when the moms would, like, talk back from the front seat all their opinions on what we were talking about mm-hmm. I remember being like ah you're here <laughs> what right, are you doing right. like, you're not supposed <laughs> to be listening or what I like I didn't even think of you know the moms that much but the yeah. moms that I loved um were the ones who like you went up to them initiated they weren't trying mm-hmm. to force anything on you or even like my mom like my mom was incredible even after I got my driver's license and I loved it and it was so fun but after a couple months I was like Mom, will you still drive me to school now? I was like, I just miss our talks. Like, Aww. I miss the morning talks. I missed her in the afternoon. I'm sure was, she was like, yes. Yeah, she, yes. Totally <laughs> was. she was really thrilled by that. But it's because she wasn't like forcing, you know, her opinions mm-hmm. on me. Or mm-hmm. um, my other favorite mom in high school was this mom. And she had five boys. And wow. she was so cool and so awesome. And I was like this lady's amazing. Like I wanted to, I probably wanted to date her kid just so I could hang out with the mom. (laughs) I was like, this lady's great. Mm -hmm. Can I hang out with you? Like she was so open and interested and not like 
pushy. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's also when it's that era where it, and when you said edge of the pool, I'm like, oh, like that's, that mm-hmm. visual makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like a struggle because, you know, I want to be the cool mom, you know, because there's a lot of girls hanging out at my house and I I, I love them and I want to, you know, I want to participate, but I do have to watch, I do try to watch myself as I'm trying to be the cool mom <laughs> that I'm not trying to parent them or inject myself, like you said, into a conversation that they weren't even talking to me, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, resist the temptation to to uh, to add my two cents to something unless they ask me. And they do ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been fun. Mm-hmm. I, I can always say to people, well, your friends think I'm cool because they're asking me. <laughs> your friends <laughs> you may me. not. <laughs> that's so funny because even like, obviously, like that dynamic is so unique, but like, the way that Pearl speaks about you when she's in my house is just like, she has such revere and such regard for you. And well, that's good to know. It's good to know. <laughs> I feel like sometimes you hear it outside. Yeah. But like, that's also where I was like, this is a great modern day. Like you live in LA, you live in a mm. tough city. You're also a working woman. I'm like, who is doing what I would like in a couple of years? Like, what does it look like? And so even for your availability for that lunch, your availability for this podcast means so much to me. I want to learn, like teach me what you've learned. So thank you. Girl, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm following as much as I, as, as my, of my gut Mm -hmm. as I can while doing what you're doing, which is talking to other people that I think are doing a good job. And then, you know, reading 52 books that I may (laughs) or may not use uh, any information from, but um, I think just, the whole thing that your podcast is about, which is about being curious Mm -hmm. and talking. Um, I find that that's, that's the thing that helps. That's what's actually helped me in this stage with Pearl. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we recently, she was away at my parents' house and I was kind of just doing some thinking as we reset for eighth grade. And I'm like, okay, there's some things I want to talk to her about. And so I just sent her in notes. I like made this little agenda Mm -hmm. like I would at work. I made a little agenda of some things that I wanted to cover. Mm -hmm. And I texted it because we share grocery lists that way and stuff. So I thought I'll just send over these kind of heavy topics like homework, you know, makeup, boys, texting, all the things I wanted to talk to her about. And (laughs) I said, we're going to have a family meeting when you get back. Mm -hmm. And I want you to add to this list too. And talk to me about the things that you need for me. Mm -hmm. And she calls me, I did, I barely hit send. She calls me and she's like, mom, did you read this in some book? (laughs) Just straight up calling you out. And I was like, Yes. Yes, I did. Because I've never been a mom to a 13 year old and I'm doing the best I can. But yeah, <laughs> she called me out. Savage. Man, preteens, they'll get you. You gotta our, watch out. Yeah. But our meeting was great. It really mm-hmm. was. And, it, and I think listening to the things that she needed from me, mm-hmm. which that's also hard to do when you're like, you're a little punk, you know, 13 year old. What do you know? But there are some things that she said to me that I was like, okay, fine. I I should be able to give you that. It's good feedback. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Going even a little tangent of like a punk 13 year old of like, whether it's a mom, who was that for you? Whether it was like a babysitter or a trusted teacher, like you can do this, even if you're not a parent, like you can Mm. be this for the kids around you. And I've had great experiences with that. I've also had some kind of annoying ones. Like even that, like you joke, okay, you call him punk teenager. You won't really say that. One time I had a babysitter who literally told me she was like, you know, I was like 12 or 13. I probably was a punk, but she was (laughs) like, you know, you at your age, you think you're so much cooler than you are, but you'll look back and you realize you weren't. And then I was like, 
in my head, I didn't say this, but I was like, you're the one making fun of a 12 year old. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How cool do you think you are? I literally thought like, no girl, I'm not the one who's making fun of someone 10 years younger than me. I'm pretty sure it's you, but that stuck with me where I'm like, nope, not going to go to you with anything yeah. ever. Cause you're belittling me. Even if it was the truth, it's holding your tongue on those moments and being there when they're willing to come to you too. And both my little punk 13 year old and many others have taught me so much. Mm -hmm. Like I, there, she, she, she teaches me on a daily basis and there is stuff that I realize, wow, you know, um, I'm having to like really think about my own values mm -hmm. again, because I'm, I'm working with, you know, a daughter who's going through a lot of things for the first time that are big and heavy mm -hmm. and all those things. And, you know, realizing that she's doing the best that she can and, and, me understanding that, you know, it's up to me to help her and support her through that, not try to clash. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's what happens is that, I mean, I remember, you know, some pretty big clashes with my mom and, mm -hmm. and wanting to make sure that sure her and my daughter and I are going to have those and some dust ups here and there. But for the most part, I definitely want to be a safe space for her. Totally. And even talking. So as far as like side character, you know, secondary supporting, whatever, whatever it is, it's aligning with something that's interesting to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think about how you guys had like your shared Instagram for your fashion. And like you guys would talk about your fits and your clothes. Was she... She very much finagled her way into Insta, um, which I'm told I'm not supposed to say Insta anymore. So oh. I was supposed to just say Instagram. Pearl, Instagram. you have editing capabilities. Yeah. If you are embarrassed by anything, <laughs> it will be cut from this episode. I trust your judgment. So if the listener yeah. doesn't hear this, it's because Pearl cut it. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> but she kind of finagled her way in. I guess she was like 10, mm -hmm. maybe. And it was, I was, she did not have an Instagram account. And she was like, but mom, what if we did this Instagram account together and it could be, you know, Gen X versus Gen Y and we could talk about our things. And I mean, I'm sitting there, look, I work behind the camera and there was no, I was like, absolutely not, no way. And my mom kind of overheard this conversation and she's like, Laura, if you're preteen, almost preteen is asking you to do something with mm. her why are you saying no to that? She's like, there's going to come a time when she's not going to want to do things with you. And so I got very, very uncomfortable mm. doing these, these like dances and, you know, fit checks and all these things that I was really not that, you know, get ready with us, all these things. But now um, it's a couple of years later and she, we don't do them as much as we used to. And now I'm like, man, I, but it was, it, it was very, it, it is very cool. Like, I, I love that we can connect on that level. And when she, now, when she asked me like, let's do a haul from Sephora. If you don't know what a haul is, that's basically <laughs> where you just brag about what you just bought at a store, which <laughs> I was always like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. But you know, it's, it is, that is the find a way to connect, mm -hmm. find a way to like do something that, you know, matters to her that she's interested in. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've got our little thing But going. I love that. It's about her, you know, mm -hmm. like, and you were willing to get outside of yourself and support her in that way. And that's why I'm both like thrilled, but also 
very nervous. Like, what are my kids going to be into? Like, am I going to have to learn the rules of soccer? Or like, probably you might. Probably you might. I'm going to have to, you know, or God forbid, please don't be into anime like your dad. <laughs> please don't make me. I'll do it if you want me to because I love you. But also, like, what if it's an interest that I'm bored by? You know, like, but I'm going to do it. I'm really like, if it's a shared interest, all the better. Mm-hmm. But if it's something new, then I'm also like, wow, I'd never know about this world if it wasn't for my child. And we're in it now and we're going to go into it. So yeah. I like that part. Yeah. Um, By the way, Pearl Y, Laura X has a lot more followers now. Oh. Yes. We Are we act- tagging this so maybe, people can be, go check maybe it out? Maybe because we, we actually did a TikTok that I was like, this is not even funny. And I can't remember. We have like 100,000 like views and I don't know. It was, it blew, we blew up. We went. We went viral. viral. We went uh-huh. viral. Um, so yeah, we, these are far past the early days. <laughs> yes, the early days. For I'm sure. excited. Okay, let's open to some questions. That's okay. Good? Mm-hmm. So it looks like one of the first questions is, um, how do you parent different personalities? I think you remove yourself from being like everything has to be even, Stephen, and fair because every child is unique. And I think you start with the posture of, I'm a different parent because you're a different child. So it's, I'm going to parent differently your sister than I am you because you're a different person and things aren't always going to be completely even where growing up, like my siblings were all one year apart. Like literally we were born 90, 91, 92, Ow. three kids under three. And I was like, how did you do that? And, but a lot of it, like my mom was to me in my eyes, still super mom. But it was very like, okay, this is your special day with grandmother or you got to have this last. So it was like it was trying to be fair. But what I read in um, Dr. Becky's Good Inside was saying sometimes that can instill sibling rivalry because then it's, oh, you got this. So I deserve this next. Or you're just gauging what you should get because someone else, which in theory, it's again, it's like I talked about up front. It's like our parents are doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be some type of like reaction back from it. That individuality thing that we were talking about earlier, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like Isley can synthesize very quickly. Like she, I was giving her a bath the other day and she did something like to echo that I didn't approve of, but it wasn't enough to like discipline or say anything. So I was just thinking in my head and she goes, why'd you make that face, mommy? And I was like, uh, what face? And then she did it back to me. And I said, well, I didn't like what you did to echo, but I was thinking about what I wanted to say about it. Like I can't even hide my facial expressions. Absolutely. My pearl walking, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, and and something may be a little, Uh I can't, I can't get one over on her. You're our kids know us. I think it's true. Like they really well, they know us, they know our energy, they know our thoughts. Like, so with Isley, I have to be very direct. And I also have to tell her like, hey, like if I'm feeling upset, it deeply upsets her. Like mm-hmm. she really, she'll be like, it's okay, mommy. It's okay. She'll even say, don't cry, which I have never in my life told her mm-hmm. not to cry. I think crying's great. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because she's feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. that, and I'm like, hey, it's okay when mommy cries. I'm going to be okay. This is my problem to fix. Like trying to also take the mantle back of like the pressure and the weight of the world isn't on her where Or even like she's talking about different personalities. She has soccer in school. And if I'm not there, she goes to town, loves it. If I'm there, she wants to come and sit on my lap the whole time and like Ah. doesn't want to play. And one of my friends is like, why do you think she's doing that? And I said, I don't know her well enough yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've only Mm -hmm. known her for three years. I'm sure later on I can ask why she did that. But I also don't want to assume 
why she's doing something. I'm just going to be a safe person and say, okay, trust yourself. When you're ready, go back out. And I probably just won't go watch soccer because she does better when I'm not there. You know, that's a pretty, that's, that's pretty great that you're thinking that way. Honestly. Um, I don't think a lot of parents would like say, I don't know my kid as well, or maybe I need to remove myself so that they can have this experience without me. Yeah. I mean, like, she does better. Obviously, I'm her safe place, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to always, always be that. And I'm not going to force her to go do, you know, things outside. But maybe she does just need me not there to find that more within herself where she would tap into me where Echo, on the other hand. Oh, deep emotions. <laughs> Big emotions. The highest Aww. of highs. The lowest of lows. He doesn't say yeah. Sounds like a teenage he- girl. <laughs> I mean, please give me tips for Echo. He is a very teenage girl. He, not every, like anything, it's not a yes, it's a, yeah, like guttural, yeah, like so loud, so into it. And then if he's upset, it's, it's heartbreaking. He cradles his face in his hands and he falls on the floor and usually he walks away. Like he knows, like since he's been like, could have the ability to walk, he will walk to the other side of the room and like. To take a minute? To take a minute. And I'm like, Echo, like, do you want space or comfort? And he just goes, pace. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But he like wants you looking at him, you know, like, but he just needs the time to feel the big emotions. Even if you're giving him exactly what he wanted, like mm-hmm. he just is feeling an overwhelm of emotion. And then he comes back when he's ready. And the way that I connect with him, he's a very visceral guy. So it's cuddles, it's touches, it's foot rubs. It's very like, when I think of him, even my hands, like they go strong, they mm-hmm. go present, like they're completely different. Isley's gentle. One look could send her into tears. <laughs> like Echo, man, it takes a lot for that little tank to be upset. But like, how did you get to know Pearl over time? Because again, like she doesn't have siblings. So it's mm-hmm. like just her in that front. And like, how did you know, oh, wait, you still unique, need a unique touch? I mean, other people, honestly, like some, sometimes I would get upset. Cause like I, I was working a lot, but I had an amazing nanny and I, you know, a lot of times I would walk into an event at school or something and be like, Oh, you're Pearl's mom. So they really knew Pearl sometimes before they knew me mm-hmm. many times before they knew me. And they had a big opinion about Pearl way before. I mean, same thing happened to you. You yes. know, you met Pearl first before me. And so sometimes like you saying, even, even earlier when you said, you know, how Pearl talks about me when I'm not there, mm-hmm. you know, these are the things that you have to listen to, you know, when, when teachers tell you, Oh no, she's doing great on this or no, absolutely. She's paying attention or, or, or when they come with some of the negative things, sometimes I think we always go, that's not my kid. That's not my kid. But like understanding that we're all complicated, mm-hmm. you know, not, not necessarily complicated, but we're all, we have many different parts of us. And so I think listening to when other, other people will tell you things about your child. And I think being open to what those are mm-hmm. and being an understanding that sometimes like you were saying, you know, your child may act a certain way when you're not there and that's them too. Mm-hmm. And then coming home, like right now as the side of the pool, mom in the, in the uh, teenage years, a lot gets unloaded sometimes when she comes home and I think, Oh my gosh, she must be so upset when she's at school. She's like doing great at school, happy, all that. But when she comes to me, sometimes she needs to unload that and I'm helping her hold that. And, mm. but it's hard to not think, wait, is she miserable all the time? No. You mm-hmm. know, where are so. their safe containers? Yeah. 
And that's kind of just so much of it too, of just being that place to receive mm-hmm. where they feel the safest. Yeah. Let's do another question. Okay. What do you do when the person caretaking for your child does things differently than you would? Yeah. I mean, as somebody who has had to say to myself, it's, I need for my daughter to be able to trust others, even if I'm not there. Right. So I think, first of all, you just want to choose very carefully who is taking care of them when you're not there Mm -hmm. and understanding that you're not going to be there all the time. Even if you are a stay at home mom or as close as you can be, you're going to be away from them at times. And so, um, I don't know, a couple of things come to mind. One of the caretakers was actually my dad at one point. Um, Pearl is very much a person that if she gets something in her mind, she will do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. Um, hounding, begging, (laughs) coercing, persistent. persistent. Um, and I, my, my dad was actually, she was at my parents and, um, my mom and I were doing something. My dad had taken her and they both came walking back in the door and I could just tell from the look on her face that something went on that was not, not, not a little too satisfied. Yeah. And it turns out that my dad had taken her driving Mm. and I was so like, what? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that moment, I kind of had to say to myself, okay, um, it happened. Yeah. It's done already. It's done already. Um, what do I want to say to both my dad and my daughter? And, you know, in the end, like there's a lot of kids now who are afraid to get their driver's license. Did you know that's a thing? Like there's a lot of kids who are not getting their driver's. Like when I was growing up, when you turned 16, you were waiting right. a moment. There's a lot of kids now who. Because they're are, anxious? hmm Huh. And Pearl is one of those kids who is counting the days to her driver's license. But my dad just grew up in the South and they drove on back roads and, you know, oh, it yeah. was a thing. They My were driving. Was driving at like 12. Same. Yeah. Well, Pearl started driving when she was 11. <laughs> and, but now, you know, I'm like, okay, it, it wasn't exactly the choice that I would have made for her at the time, mm-hmm. but, um, it's, it's taken her in a place where she probably is going to be a really good driver when she mm-hmm. does get her license. Wow. Because, so, so I'm trying to look at it from that perspective. I even think of, Everyone who watches my kid differently, I've noticed they take the kids to the park differently. Some people like bring a diaper bag, completely stocked snacks. They put the sunscreen on the way that I would like for my (laughs) oldest, who's pretty fair skinned and can sunburn, like all the stuff. And then some of them just fly by the seat of their pants. Mm -hmm. Do they bring a spare diaper? Who knows? You know? Yeah. I had, um, I had a nanny for a long time that when Pearl was uh, younger and she didn't drive. And at first, I mean, I loved her so much and it, and, but as Pearl got a little older, I was like, how is this, you know, how's this going to work? But she took the bus. That Mm. was her thing. She took the bus. Mm -hmm. And so I had a kind of, and I wasn't necessarily really comfortable with Pearl being on a public in public transportation Mm -hmm. on the bus. However, Pearl knows how to use a bus, a public transportation now. Mm-hmm. And in some cities, that's a given. But in a lot of places, it's not. She ended up developing this cool relationship with the bus driver. They mm-hmm. knew her. And and now I think to myself, well, it really was safer for her to be on a bus than driving in a car. 
Hmm. Wow. <laughs> you know? And at the time it was very, it was a little bit uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me. Cause I was like, I want her to be picked up by, mm-hmm. but no, my nanny walked from the bus stop to pick her up from preschool and they walked back to the bus stop and took the bus home and then, you know, to the bus stop and walked to our house. Mm-hmm. But that was a very different experience. My daughter still talks about that. You it's know? so true. I think that's it. I think it's different experiences. Yeah. So like whether it's like a bus stop or even for like my kids, I'm like, there's not one way to go to the park. I go to the park mm-hmm. the same way because that's me. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But sometimes you're not going to have socks. Sometimes yeah. you're going to have one spare diaper and then you're you got to roll with it. You got to roll with it. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron was with Isley at the park and she was like, oh, I have to go potty. He's like, oh, let's find a restroom. She goes, oh, no, Teddy likes me pee on the grass over here. <laughs> Because it's a park that their nanny takes into. So he's like, okay, let's try that. Or sometimes um, one of my favorite nannies, her name's Tere. She'll send me a picture of them. I got the Metro. Or Isa will drive by and be like, oh, we got donuts there. And I'm like, you did, you know? Like part of me is like, there's different expressions. And if I trust someone and there's non-negotiables, I'm like, please feed them every three hours and give them a protein, you know? And like love them and care for them. If you guys do everything rogue, then I mean- my kids need to experience other people. That's right. Other people are safe. Yeah, I I was so like the nutrition thing was so huge for me when Pearl was a baby. And I, I mean, breastfed, I made all her baby food. Mm-hmm. Honestly, she never ate from a jar. I mean, it was, I prided myself on this. And no, you missed 52 books? <laughs> never. No, that doesn't track. <laughs> and we were on a road trip and um, with, with our family and I had my little pearl was, I don't know, not maybe a year if that, no, probably not quite a year, put her in the baby seat at at McDonald's. I had my cooler of all the homemade baby food and I, I set it down and I told uh, my nieces and nephews, I'll be right back. I'm just going to run to the bathroom and then I'll feed pearl come gone for two seconds. I come back her cousin has given her a handful of McDonald's French fries. And mm. I was like, nah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just, I mean, it was, <laughs> my, my niece was like, but Aunt Laura, she loves them. Look at her. She loves them. And she really did. I mean, it was like, you know, the kid had probably never actually had salt before and um, it didn't kill her. No, it was okay. It was a great way. It's a great story. And she got to experience McDonald's French fries with her family, you know, and, but at the time, boy, that really, (laughs) I thought the world was ending. (laughs) So true though. I mean, those are the lines that kind of divide too. So part of me, even when I'm thinking of hearing this is like, let's be gentle, you know, like with one another, it's like, it's family is memories. Obviously we're talking about someone who's going to do something differently than you, you know, which I think it's a lesson for all of us outside of parenting. It's outside of everything. It's like, people are going to do things differently. How can we respect? one another and even bringing it back like that's my hope for this podcast is the equivalent of if you're organic i'd like to feed you a french fry (laughs) a mcdonald's mcdonald's french fry (laughs) they are the best by the way (laughs) i don't know girl (laughs) we can get into it oh i mean they don't die like they stay there that can't be no, real food so good they really i will admit good. they're tasty yeah right. whether or not they're real food that's i don't that's debatable. Not that that's true okay. but they do taste pretty okay. good okay I, I align with you on that <laughs> one <laughs> but overall the concept of this podcast i love it to have different opinions i love to have and welcome different dialogues and different ways to express are you letting an 11 year old drive 
Awesome. Are you the mom who's not cool with that? Awesome. You know, like I want to have this open. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. I had so much fun. I've loved Pearl for years and then you adjacent. But whenever we took you to lunch, I was like, oh, I love her too. Oh, thank you. I'm loving listening to your podcast. Thank you. You're doing such a great job with it. Thank you. I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. So, okay. We are at the end of the episode where I'm going to ask you to like, follow, subscribe me on YouTube and on Instagram at Haven the Podcast. That's Instagram and TikTok. I do my Q&As there, but I'm going to have a unique and new ask too, is I'd love for you to share this podcast with your friends. I'd love for other people to be listening long form. A lot of people are listening to the slight little reels that I put up there, which is so great, but there's so much more to be had when you listen to like the full thing. So thank you for sharing the short reels. Please share the podcast next. Other than that, if you have topic requests or anything you'd like to email me, you can email at hello at havenpod.com. Thanks. And I'll see you next time. 